Welcome to the Flowering Lotus Meditation Podcast. My name is Beth Herzig. In this episode, I interview our spiritual director, Venerable Panawati. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to our first episode of the Flowering Lotus Meditation Podcast. I have with me today our spiritual director, Venerable Panawati. She has been our spiritual director since we left Magnolia in 2019 and began being a mobile sangha. So what we do now is we rent different retreat centers all over Mississippi, Louisiana, and hopefully other states soon. Um, And we go have a retreat at all these different places. So we have hosted multiple different Buddhist meditation teachers in the past year before the pandemic. And we have now gotten back to doing in-person, if you want to call it post-pandemic. But I wanted to just introduce Venerable Panawati as our spiritual director and also co-founder of Heartwood Refuge. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Venerable, and thank you so much for teaching a retreat with us this past weekend. How are you? I'm wonderful, and it was wonderful to be with you in person again (laughs) after uh, a few years. I was uh, so excited when I arrived. I just looked out the window, and I saw the new addition uh, to the Sangha. It was uh, like a a white uh, trailer I think with a hitch is that is that correct and that's where you had all of your like your spiritual implements you know you uh, uh, load and and carry and it was just really exciting I mean I was actually gleeful because it looked uh, sort of like a, a permanent thing and and I was happy to see that you were rooted and settled uh, in a concept that I think is very meaningful, especially for today, because things are changing. And you know, we should always be ready and available with that kind of mind that can can shift and be with the moment. There was a time that we rode in a horse and buggy, and then somebody had uh, an idea for an invention that could step us uh, up into a more modern time. And then there was the, the, the car was invented. And a little bit later, the train, and a little bit later, the airplane. And we became more and more mobile. You know, we call these great inventions. Uh, and I think you all are on to an idea that uh, is a great invention. And I hope we can have a little conversation around that today. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so we have a trailer that we, what I like to say is we arrive at any space and Buddhify the space. So we can make a meditation hall pretty much within any space because we have the Zabutans and the Zafus and the, you know, decorations of Buddha that um, I always tell him when I'm strapping him in, like, we'll see you on the other side. Um, So I'm always really careful with him and he's in the back of the trailer. And really it's been quite interesting to see that no matter what space we show up in, we're able to um, make it become sacred for that weekend. And, And it's wonderful too, that when we get into a space, uh, uh, and we are often in different environments. We may be in um, a, a convent, for instance, and how welcoming 
the different spiritual traditions are. You know, it's it's like uh, being of of one mind. Not so much the uh, the outer uh, aspect of spirituality, but that part that actually touches the heart. The trans formative frequency is there that part which is good and brings forth the goodness of of humanity being made manifest and the whole outward uh aspect is transformed and once we set up that dharma hall uh and that meditation uh center uh it it uh it is like a perfectly you know our environment and uh it's just as if it were uh, like a, a a Buddhist a Buddhist temple, and it's beautiful to be with uh, people of of other uh, spiritual traditions, and yet they're so totally respectful of uh, of our space and uh, of our teachings and of our presence, and we leave something with them: uh, more understanding in the world, more harmony, uh, more peace. Yes, we were at William um, Kelly Retreat Center in Bay St. Louis this past weekend, and we've rented other um, retreat centers, and actually most of them have been Catholic, and at first we've had the situation where they're like, well, we're not sure, we'll let you rent it one time and see what happens, and then it seems like they just love us so much. Number one, they're like, you're the quietest renters that we've ever had. So, because we're having silent retreats. It's so funny because they're like, you guys were the most quiet that we've ever had for renters. And so um, we, as you said, you did actually teach at a place that was a convent where nuns were living on site. And that was one of the things they said was, we can't believe how quiet you were. We can't believe that no one was talking. <laughs> so I thought that was really neat. Um, but yeah, everyone has been super receptive. And, you know, you're right, because the space is already sacred when we arrive. It's sacred in a different tradition. But I feel like everyone can kind of feel that um, feeling of reverence and um, stillness. And, you know, most places that we go are very beautiful, too. We want that to be inspirational to the people that come. So yeah, I was just gonna ask you a couple questions about what you think about the way we're doing things. Um, just as our spiritual director, we know that you approve of it. And um, what do you what do you think as far as like your your visit to Mississippi and New Orleans? I mean, how did you how was your trip, and what did you notice as far as like practicing Buddhism in those two different states? Well, you think about how we have evolved since um, the uh, time of the Buddha and, you know, when he sat up under the uh, the poetry and, uh, and and got enlightened. I mean, he didn't like uh, build a shelter there and say, y'all come, you know, uh, he went from place to place sharing this good news. And so I I think, I mean, we, we seldom think about him as... Uh, you know, uh, uh, an evangelist who had something to share, but honestly, that's just our perception. In fact, he absolutely was, you know, uh, and he went from place to place. Uh, he was sharing what he had discovered. He would go into a town, he and, and his disciples, and, uh, you know, and his famous words were, hey, Posico, come see, come see for yourself, you know, and he would uh, and he would uh, give this talk and 
And after he gave this talk, he would say, now sit and meditate, a turn inward. And this is something that's hard to put in words, but you can realize it for your for yourself. And he would teach them how to go into uh, that uh, space within one's own consciousness where they could have the same realization. And so this is exactly what you do, you know, uh, and 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 I think that this is more true to the model, actually, than uh, opening up and establishing meditation centers all over the country. I I think it's it's wonderful, and I I think it's uh it's really a a, a cost effective model, and it allows you to reach and touch new people as well as old people, and it allows people to participate in the in the process it's uh it's uh bringing your your friends come to a retreat come back again and bring uh, somebody with you and so i would say that in the retreats that i have attended i've come to know or or uh been a part of of uh teaching that uh 50 of them are people who have attended a retreat uh, with me before, and they brought somebody with them, uh, and so it's it's uh, it's very it's wonderful in that sense that a sangha is developing, and so they come back uh, and uh, again and again, and uh, many of them bring someone uh, with them, so it's sort of an organic growth. And along with being an organic uh, growth, it's, it allows people to come uh, once or twice or three times a, a year or, or to plan to come systematically, you know, once every year, uh, 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 bringing a spouse the next year. Uh, and uh, I just think it's beautiful in, in that way that you have a, a, a budding sangha who, who plans to regularly retreat and then also to bring others with them. And not just in one location, but in several locations over a couple of states and maybe expanding uh, beyond there. Uh, and so I think this is uh, very true to the, to the model, uh, exposing them to uh, different teachings, uh, teachers, and uh, and exposing the teachings in different ways because we all have different propensities, different ways of learning. We come to the teachings from uh, different points of experience, uh, and and it's wonderful to have the exposure to uh, different understandings of the Dharma. Yes, I think that really you're you're saying this, but I also really think about the fact that we're almost we are meeting people where they are. So I would say probably 25% of the 30 plus people we had at the retreat this weekend, I would say probably, I don't know, probably 20% were from like that Bay St. Louis area. So how, you know, kind of convenient for those people that they're one person said that I was so excited to come to the retreat. I left my bag on my front porch and she just nipped away and came back and brought her back, <laughs> <laughs> which was so funny. And it's kind of making a, a spiritual community within that area that those, some of those people didn't even know each other, but they are in the same community, like those coastal cities of 
Gulfport, um, Bay St. Louis and um, that area. And so we are impacting a community where we go, but then also creating a sangha that is impermanent for that one weekend. So I mm-hmm. see that happening. And, and a larger sangha, but not that far away, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, they feel a part of, of, of something larger, a connection, a, more like a, a regional, you know, connection as well as these little pockets of, of local sangha. So it makes you feel that you're connected with something bigger. And I can see this growing in that kind of way um, that doesn't uh, bog us down so much. It, it allows us to ha- uh, have extended family, if you, if you will. And some of us know someone in a nearby city in a uh, still regional, you know, but in a nearby area and just pick up the phone and say, well, you know, our song is having a retreat uh, over in your area, you know, and or you have a relative who, who lives over in that area and uh, and you're encouraging them to come. Actually, it's not that far away. Uh, you can show up there to support them at their uh, uh, first introduction to the Dharma and to a, to a a weekend sitting. It's uh, it's beautiful in uh, in that way, uh, and uh, and it's also a model that in the South they have some uh, reference for. You know, uh, the South is known for those who come out out of the uh, Christian diaspora for the um, uh, the uh, uh, kind of of spiritual. Uh, uh, they didn't call them uh, retreats, uh, but they called call them revivals. Yeah. yeah, and they would come out for for the revivals, you know, and they they bring you know the evangelists from afar that would come, you know, and say you don't want to miss this, you know, and they they come out to hear, you know, the teachings expounded, and and it's uh, it's something it's something like that, and. And they they'd come out for that special weekend, you know. They take that back with them, and they chew on that for for months and months, you know. <clears throat> and then the next year, when that uh, that uh, minister would come out, they'd come back again. I mean, there's some that that come, uh, you know, every year when I come, and and it's just wonderful to see my old friends uh, uh, again. And they bring somebody else with them. And so uh, they're familiar with that, with this model, and it makes them feel uh, uh, comfortable uh, that a teacher can come from afar and they can see old friends again around the Dhamma. Now, and that helps with the new part of the model, which is the uh, kind of silent sitting and the introspection, because it was like, well, I don't know what we're gonna do all weekend, not talking. Uh, not talking to each other, uh, and there are different ways that that we ease into this. So there there is some dialogue interspersed with periods of of uh, introspection and reflection, and it uh, ends up not being so bad. They find out I can easily do this because I am not just not talking. You know, there is uh, I'm reflecting, I'm contemplating, and so uh, 
I'm going uh, deep within myself and I'm coming to some definite conclusions about uh, something, how I'm ordering my life, how I'm shifting some way that I, that I think uh, and how I will respond as I leave this place. And so just the, the whole way the model is organized is very much not a new model. I think we're returning to something that has been very, very effective you know, over um, a, a couple of thousand years. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I've never thought of it that way, but I totally see that revival kind of um, similarity. I will say that I do not think like a big top tent will fit in that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can fit very much more in there, but yeah, that, that is so true. That is so true. And one thing that I've noticed, and it seems like, you know, we had a big community that was very tied to when we had a retreat center in Magnolia. And a lot of people, when they come back, they are trepidatious to see what it's going to be like in a different place. And the number one thing I've heard people say, and it's multiple people that are unrelated that don't even realize that I've heard this before, is in that closing circle, when we break silence and really kind of get to the the heart of what we have been studying and how the person has felt coming out of a retreat. The number one thing that people say is that flowering Lotus is not a building. It's about the teachings and the experience of being in retreat with fellow Sangha members. And I feel like every closing circle, every closing of a retreat, I, I notice that and see that and, and really hear that um, from people. So I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it's funny you should mention it because uh uh, Reba and I were talking this morning and I was just saying, oh, but you know, I don't think that we should have the closing circle. We were just discussing that this morning. And I said, because uh, in my own view, I like people um, really going home with something before they formulate an opinion. Reba says, no, I think we should have a closing circle because people need to have that moment of expressing it. It validates, it gives, you know, some... Uh, not closure, some, but some expression, expression to the moment, and uh, and I do hear what both of you are, are saying, and I agree with that as well. But when we were, uh, when I was sitting here just now, I was thinking about uh, before you said it, I was thinking about flowering, flowering lotus, and I was thinking about the fact that we don't have a physical building and I was thinking about the lotus flowering from the heart you know in Vajrayana practice which I introduced uh, uh, the um, uh, retreatants to this weekend and there were some explosive uh, deep deep uh, experiences there and many people didn't know what was happening and I didn't want to put a name on it I didn't want to bring it down to words mm -hmm. you know I, I wanted to leave it as experiences and they were having these profound experiences that really it's hard to put in words without uh it's just not even necessary when you have an experience it's an experience once you reduce it to words you're just trying to describe something that's really uh it's more than what Ever we can reduce it down to words. So mm -hmm. I won't even try, but they were having uh, uh, real experiences. Real experiences are realizations. 
Okay. So they were having these realizations that go beyond uh, description. And as they were having them, I was just thinking, we set up altars. These are external altars, but actually the realization comes about from establishing an, an inner altar upon one's heart. And I was thinking of flowering lotus that way, that there is this altar established upon one's heart. And so there's this inner transformation and purification happening at the heart level. And for that, it's not about the building. You could be anywhere, you know, and, uh, but set, setting up that altar upon the heart, establishing it upon the heart. And as people become uh, more aware of this and realizing this more and more, they won't be so fixed upon the place and the outer trappings, but really, uh, uh, really able to establish a foundation upon their heart. And maybe this is a better thing because we can really get so attached to our outer trappings and, and who, uh, and, and this is part of what we're trying to break down and, and tear down in these, in these retreats, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all of our outer, uh, uh, outer views of identity and, and, you know, and all of these ego trappings. And I have, I have to be honest with you, some of this around our Sangha building is, is just more of that. And so I think that this is, is beautiful. Uh, when we uh, talk about establishing, um, um, uh, the uh, Kala Chakra Mandala, you know, and we've seen the Dalai Lama uh, monks come and they establish or they create or craft this beautiful mandala. It takes a long time and, and after they lay it out, then they just uh, take a, a brush and they destroy the whole thing so that we don't become attached to things, but we become attached to our, our Dharma trappings too, you know. And we lose some of the essence of it, but this leaves it completely um, within uh, within our own hearts and minds. And we take it, and we we it become we become the repository of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very sacred in that kind of way. I agree. Wow. Yes. I I love everything that you just said. Another thing I was thinking about is that, you know, you are a big part of the interconnectedness of a lot of people that come to Flowering Lotus, including teachers. So um, I think I told you this, but we had our first longer retreat in many years. So we had a five-day retreat that was hosted by the teachers at Wild Heart Meditation, which is based out of Nashville. And really we were hosting it, you know, in the same way that we host teachers Um, but usually we only have one teacher come in and something that I found so amazing was watching, they actually had a team of three teachers plus an assistant and two of those teachers, Mikey and Marika are both trained by you. So I felt very connected to them without even having ever really practiced with them that much. Um, just because they're trained by you and I do listen to their podcasts. I've listened to some of their Dharma talks and things like that, but just watching them create the teachings that they wanted to um, have all of us experience in the moment of this five-day retreat was quite uh, amazing. I never, it had never occurred to me that 
teachers are creating and or um, teaching specifically to the group in front of them in the moment, I always just really thought that people already knew what they were going to teach before they came to a retreat. And you taught them well because they really made it very personalized to the people in the room. And because there were three of them, I could really see that all happening in real time because you know the um there's a library across the from the meditation hall they were in there like having great discussions and you know making plans for us the entire five days so i just wanted to share with you that your impact is greater than even just you coming because you have taught and trained so many teachers in this area um and even in June, our one of our teachers was Christy Bates, who you have she's trained with you. And the next retreat we have is um, Timothy Davis, who has trained with you. So he's doing a writing workshop next this weekend. So it's very very interesting, and I can see this interconnectedness of your impact, even all our teachers that we've had this year. So I want to say thank you to that. <laughs> Thank well, you. you know, it's kind of an, a, a new day because uh, I'm, I'm happy to see this coming forth. I have about a, a hundred Dharmacharyas uh, out there and all of those that you mentioned, uh, Christy and all of them, she was one of my first Dharmacharyas. And it, it is kind of like that. When I was a Christian uh, pastor, you know, one of the first things they taught us is how to prepare our um our sermons for the whole year. And I'm like, what? How are you gonna hear the voice of God and give people what they need today and, and you and you prepared it a year ago? You know, so it was something about being in the present moment to know uh what the people in front of you need, you know, mind wrapping mind and and uh being in the moment. And that's not something that that most uh uh, uh teachers uh, are are prepared for being prepared. But I think to be uh, truly effective, uh, you need to empty yourself out so that uh, you can connect with who's in front of you. And, and if you're empty enough, you know what the people in front of you need and make that connection. So I do think that, that uh, giving uh, teachers the confidence that they can make this connection uh, if they are empty enough, which is what the Buddha said is possible when we uh, drop the uh, the ego identification, you know, otherwise, what are we teaching? You know, what are we, what are we doing? What are we refining? What, you know, and so as that is occurring, you know, uh, uh, you're going to see over, you know, what these wonderful uh, things occurring and just, uh, I think a great uptick because times are 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 really uh, tough out there today, and it's going to take a a, a, a strong, uh, resourceful, uh, uh, very present and powerful uh, uh, teachers to help people um, uh, meet the needs of people and give them the confidence that uh, they can meet the circumstances of today. And I think that the way that you are uh, approaching the means whereby uh, you can bring these teachers to the community uh, is very important and necessary. 
and those of us who are, are training teachers and making them available uh, uh, so that they can be uh, a, a ready resource. You know, as these two uh, things come together, I think it's uh, the proof is going to be in in the in the pudding. Uh, at the, of course, the third agree, ingredients is. Uh, you know, the people actually coming and people wanting to come, people looking for something, uh, answering the call, come see for yourself. And all three of these things are happening. There are, there are good hearted people everywhere looking uh, for an answer. Uh, they call this the Dharma ending age, but the operative word is ending, I-N-G, not in dead. Uh, so people are still searching uh, and if we will uh, go into their vicinity, in their neighborhood, uh, saying, here we are, they will come. Yes, I know that to be true. Um, the last few retreats, we've had people from Georgia, Florida, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, of course, Louisiana, Texas, and Tennessee. So, I mean, where where else could they come from? I guess they could fly in. We did have someone fly in from Maryland. So, <laughs> Mm -hmm. um it's it's quite and then of course you're from north carolina so i, I just want to say thank you so much because i really appreciate your um stamp of approval if you will about uh liking what we're doing approving of what we're doing and really helping us do what we do your retreat was wonderful and i know that um so many people got so much from it and um will continue to you know follow you and listen to your music and um, try to see what else you're offering to everyone over there in Hartwood. Well, I think it's, I, I, uh, I'm really proud of you. I'm, uh, I'm uh, proud of how you uh, took a situation and, and a circumstance and you used your wisdom and your fearlessness uh, to overcome obstacles because in this life we will have obstacles. Um, and it depends on how you see them and how you use them to be stepping stones to grow and to uh, develop, uh, to just uh, use the uh, words of, 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 uh, of Jesus. He said, be of good cheer. You know, in this life, you don't have obstacles, you know, but we have the capacity to overcome them. That's what the good news is, you know. And so... Um, in overcoming obstacles, we find uh, our strength and we can begin to see our original face. And so we don't have to fight obstacles, we just overcome them. And we overcome them by the, the uh, power of, of truth and compassion that is resident in us. Uh, and if, as we allow that to come forth, you know, um, then we, we see it manifest uh, in the world. And we can do that with gentleness. We can do that with forgiveness. We can do that with, uh, with courage. We don't talk much about uh, faith in Buddhism, but we really should. It's not blind faith, but it's faith born upon just taking baby steps, you know, and step by step in evaluating. And we uh, develop more confidence uh, just like watching a, a, a toddler be taking those first steps and walking and they may fall down. But when they fall down, they don't go into a depression. They actually giggle, roll over, 
get up and they and they step again. So they actually see every tumble, you know, as a, an experiment of what not to do again. And and they try and they step a different way until they establish their their footing. So it's all about trial and error of how to make something uh, happen, to make something work. They're inventors in a certain way. And that's what you've done. You've invented a modern model and you've even stepped ahead of me. I, you know, in, in having hardwood, I feel like it's an albatross around around my neck and we're actually uh, actively uh, marketing and selling hardwood uh, because, you know, people shouldn't have to fly from all over Timbuktu to come and hear the, hear the teachings. It should be readily available in their neighborhood and, uh, or, you know, certainly region, regionally. And if I have something to say, I should go there and, uh, you know, or somebody should be there. And so I think there's going to be a great shift. And I think you all are on the cutting edge of this. And I'm glad to be, you know, just a part of what you're doing uh, more so than uh, than uh, whatever I contribute to just be able to say I'm a part of what you're doing. It's just truly wonderful. As my Buddha master would say, marvelous existence. <laughs> marvelous. Well, one thing that you one thing that you've always said is just keep doing the mission. And I feel like I hear your voice in my head and in, on the board. We always talk about that. You know, it's not in Flowering Lotus is not just me. We have a full board of volunteers that really work hard, but we just keep doing the mission, which is bringing the Buddhist teachings to those that are open to them. And that's mm -hmm. really what we want to do. And we want to continue to do that. So thank you so much for your blessing and your guidance and your wisdom to helping us do that. I really appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Flowering Lotus Meditation Podcast. To find out more about our retreats and upcoming events, visit www.floweringlotusmeditation.org. We are a nonprofit. We appreciate any type of support that you can show us. So you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about Venerable Panawati, you can go to heartwoodrefuge.org. Thanks for listening.